0: Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. Good morning. I like it. Everybody good? Can you give it up for Jesus one more time for everything that took place in the baptism tank? So awesome. Super cool. Um, man, it's just a, a, f- a fun time and honor to be here. I, I get to come every once in a while. My name is Cody Sykes, and I am the campus pastor of Renew Life Church Midland just right down the road, and so uh, hopefully uh, we will send all of the sand and dirt that y'all sent us last night, we'll send it back to you. Uh, it was an incredibly beautiful day until it wasn't yesterday. <laughs> and so uh, I-, I was doing a wedding, and thankfully it was an indoor wedding, or uh, we might have just decided to just go be with Jesus instead. So, uh, no, it's, uh, it's such a fun time to get to come and, and share, and I'm just really excited about what God's doing. Uh, God is moving and shaking a lot of things in Midland, and I know he's doing the same thing here, and so I, I love watching uh, baptism and, and just people's lives getting transformed and uh, just this outward declaration uh, to the world of what Jesus has actually done in the heart. It's, it's such a, a pretty thing, and we actually baptized um, last week uh, 65 people in Midland. It was absolutely insane. And so uh, God is just moving and shaking in so many incredible ways, and so uh, it's, it's a powerful thing. So we're gonna go ahead and uh, pray, and then we're gonna dive into uh, what I'm gonna talk about this morning. And so uh, would you pray with me? Father, I thank you uh, for everyone in this room. I thank you for the baptisms and for what's taking place and uh, the, the, the shift that is in this room. I know that that is from you, Lord. You are an atmosphere changer. And so we just declare that this atmosphere is yours. We declare that we are yours, our ears are yours, our eyes are yours. I pray that you would give us uh, ears to hear and eyes to see. I pray that you would jump off of the page to us today. I pray that your heart and your, your character and your nature it would be heard and it would ring so loud in our ears, the life that you have for us to live and the way in which you believe in us as your sons and as your daughters. I pray that lives are transformed this morning, uh, not in a cliche way, but actually, we actually start living differently because of the word of God. And I believe, I am an agent or I am a result, if you will, of this, that one moment with you can change everything. And so I ask you for that moment today. I ask you that you would come in and you would change everything. We just open ourselves to you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading us, guiding us into truth and wisdom. We pray these things in Jesus' name. If you agree, give me a good amen. 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 that's what I'm talking about. Uh, John chapter five is where we're gonna go this morning. John chapter five, you can open your Bible on your phone or your actual Bible, whatever it is that you have. We'll have it up on the screen for you too. Um, But we're gonna start in verse one. We're gonna read through verse six, but it says this. After this, there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethesda, having five porches. Interesting, five porches also, five is the number of grace. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool, and he stirred up the water. And then whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. Now Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition for a long time and he said to him, do you want to be made well? I'm gonna stop right there just for a moment because at this point in the story, this man that has been in this condition for 38 years has no idea that Jesus is in fact Jesus. And it's interesting at first glance, this question that Jesus asked this man seems to be very uh, inappropriate and almost repulsive. Uh, Do you want to be made well? It's almost as if this man in his mind started thinking if he's like me or if he's like probably you, He's like, no, 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 actually, you know, Jesus, or whoever you are that just happened to notice me and asked me this really dumb question, I'm totally fine being down here in the dirt, like paralyzed, it's been fantastic. It's been the greatest 38 years of my life. You can't imagine how good it smells down here. It's fantastic, all the dirt that just collects under my fingernails, I love it. Please, don't heal me. Like, I would imagine this is the kind of thing that's rolling over in this guy's head. Do you want to be made well? Of course, I want to be made well somehow Jesus is able to ask questions that, that aren't repulsive and that don't come off uh, the way that we think that they would come off, and I think it's simply because Jesus carried the beautiful presence of God everywhere that he went. Jesus actually carried such a presence with him that when he asked things like this, it didn't come off as offensive. It didn't come off as repulsive. And I think we have to pay attention to this as as Christians. We're not just designed to carry the knowledge of Jesus, but we're actually to carry his presence. We're not designed to tell everyone about what we know. We're actually here to actually show them who we know and we do that by carrying his Jesus, I believe that today there is a a great concern in our society that that our society has been conditioned to Christians who are more eager to share what they know than who they know. Knowledge, the scripture says, is puffed up. In other words, that is an inkling of pride. And so we have to understand that we should carry a presence that says, I'm not here to judge you, I'm not actually here to judge your condition. I'm not here to judge your sin. I'm not here to judge or compare my life to yours. I'm actually here to do one thing and one thing only, and that is simply to point you to the Father. That is what our presence should always be like. That is what our motive should be. I think about the woman even caught in adultery. In John chapter eight, you can read about her, but even Jesus' position in that whole story, if you remember, they caught this one adultery, they, 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 they bring her, they throw her into the midst of Jesus. It says that Jesus is actually teaching to a crowd. And all of a sudden, the the scribes and Pharisees, religious people of the day, they throw this woman, they say, we caught this woman in the very act. Imagine the shame that instantly is slapped upon this woman. From adultery to in the middle of Jesus and a bunch of people. Jesus, it says that he stoops down in the dirt. So even his position is this one that is lowly. Even his position is this one of humility. Humility hosts the presence of God. And pride hosts our presence. I would much rather host his presence than my presence. And for your sake, I hope that I'm hosting his and not mine, right? And so Jesus even had this incredible ability to always lead with humility, and so I believe that even as he asks this question, this man is met with compassion instead of being offended. I love this about Jesus. In John chapter five, verse seven, the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the, into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. And what I see here in this story is this man is starting to think, okay, so Jesus, uh, this man, he comes by and he actually sees this man differently than anyone else has seen him. You know there's, there's a difference in, in visibly seeing someone and then noticing someone? When you actually notice someone, you're actually taking a little bit more consideration into their story. And imagine this moment where this man has been in this condition for 38 years, and Jesus notices him and asks him a question. He actually makes an interaction, an encounter with him. Jesus actually connects with this man in one simple question. I would imagine that this man starts thinking, this might be my day. This might be the day that everything shifts for me. This might be the day that this guy actually steps in to help me. This might be the day that I'm the one that actually gets in the pool, and I'm the one that actually receives the results of the stirring of the water. This might be the day that everything changes, and this is my big break. One of the other things that I see in this that I think is interesting, I I love like numbers in the Bible. I think it's really cool, but uh, this man, I, I believe that this was this man's 11th hour. He'd been in this condition for 38 years. If you take three plus eight, you get 11. And 11 is always a a number for transition in scripture. And so Jesus actually steps into this man's moment of life in a transitional moment so that everything is about to be made brand spanking new. I love how Jesus does things. You might be thinking today that this year, you stepped into this year, this is the year that I'm gonna find a husband. This year I'm gonna find a wife. Guys, I'm gonna say this first. If you're gonna find a wife first, you have to go talk to them. Right? That's a key portion. But make sure that you have a job before you go talk to them. <laughs> Am I preaching to anybody? Ain't nobody fixing to raise their hand. No, but we have this thought, like maybe this is my, my week for promotion, that, that one that was promised to me months ago. Maybe this is the, gonna be the week that I step into it. Maybe this is the, this is the week or the, this is the year that I'll be healed of that symptom. Maybe this is the day or this is the timing where this is my 11th hour too and Jesus is about to do something in my life. My answer to you if you're having that thought would be this. Jesus said to this man, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and he walked. In other words, his answer to this man and his answer to you is is yes. I know that for some of us, that's really hard to believe. You mean that in all of the mess that I've made, and Jesus' answer to me is yes. Yes, that's the answer. See, because this life that we live under Jesus is defined by his blood, that is the new covenant, and not what we can do, but what his, his works on the cross did for us and our belief in that. And because of that, the answer is actually yes. In Acts chapter 10, verse 34, it says this, Jesus is no respecter of persons. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse eight, it says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Revelation 19, verse 10, it says it tells me that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, meaning that when I read or when I hear a story of Jesus breaking through for someone else, I should believe that that is prophesying to my story that Jesus, in fact, can, wants to, and will do it for me as well. His answer to you today is yes. Rise up, take your bed, and walk, amen? I love this about Jesus. Let's keep reading. I I think one of the most significant things in this storyline is is found in what we keep reading here. It says this in verse nine, and that day was the Sabbath. Jesus always caused a ruckus on the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him uh, who was cured, it is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. So this is where the story takes an interesting, crazy turn to me. This guy's been in this condition, as we know, for 38 years. More than likely, this is the majority of his entire life, or his adult life at least. He's just been miraculously healed. There should be a time of celebration because the man who sat at the gate all of these years is now walking in amongst us. Yet they have this position of saying, it is wrong for you to be able to be healed or carry your mat on today because today is a day of rest. You can't actually work on this day. Luke chapter 13, verse 16. I think about the woman who uh, had the spirit spirit of infirmity. She had this this problem for 12 years and she goes into this moment and she she grabs the hem of of Jesus' garment. And this is what they said to her. Uh, This is Jesus' response to the same kind of thing about her being healed on the Sabbath. He said, so ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound? Who bound her? He said, think of it, I love Jesus' words here, think of it, for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? Meaning, are you serious that you're questioning everything that I've done because it was on the Sabbath? It's the most atrocious, repulsive thing that he's even mentioned in this whole scripture, this whole set of verses. Think about it like this. I was thinking in terms of my wife and her pregnancies, how many of you are dads in the room, or parents in the room? Could you imagine driving your, your, your wife to the hospital, and on the way to the hospital, you're, you're just speeding, you're, you're running through red lights because it's go time, and you don't have all those skills, right? Uh, this was my position when we were having our third child. Her name is Griffin. She's seven years old now. My wife decided to be courageous and have her with a midwife, and I thought she had lost her mind, and uh, I was like, this is a bad idea. I'm thinking of all the natural things, like, How far is the hospital? What if something bad happens? Who's gonna rescue us? Who's gonna rescue her? What about you? Like I'm thinking of everything, and I'm like, I'm talked out of this. This is a terrible decision, and she's like, listen, if you think that I couldn't do this, do you think that I would even be considering it? Like, if you don't think that I heard the Lord on this, do you think that I would be putting myself and a baby in this position? I'm like, okay, you win this argument. I'll I'll give this one up uh, as I have to do the majority of the arguments. Anyway, so. The day comes, and she's done all of the things. She uh, went running, she like jogged a half mile the night before, she's like doing everything she can to like go into labor. So it's like 4.45 in the morning or something like that if I remember right, and she wakes me up. She's like, okay, either I peed in the bed or my water broke. (laughs) I'm like, well, I hope you didn't pee in the bed. That'd be awkward at this age. Uh, (laughs) But. She's like, no, my water broke. And I'm like, oh, so I start jumping up. I'm putting clothes on inside out. I'm trying to find shoes and socks and all the things. And she's like, no, just wait a second. Wait a second. I'm gonna take a bath. I'd like to take a bath first. I'll wake you up and then we can go. She's like, just go back to sleep. And I'm like, don't tell me twice. So I go back to sleep. Great husband. We'll talk about that later. So I go back to sleep, but I hear her in the bathtub and she is just in, she's in excruciating pain. I'm like, okay, enough of all this. So I go in, I get her out of the bath, I get her dressed. We're driving to the midwife and she's like, any time now, she's thinking this is going to happen. So I'm like, but it can't happen in the vehicle. I'm not equipped. I can't drive. I'm not pulling over. Just hold, put a cork in it. Like, do something. Like, let's not have a baby on the road today, please. So I'm literally driving down one of the busiest streets in Midland of course. It was 5 a.m., which was great, but I'm running one red light after another red light after another red light. It would be terrible if in all of this we get pulled over and an officer's like, he sees the situation, he sees what's about to happen, he sees her condition. He's like, well, you guys are just going to have to wait a second. got to write you a ticket. It would be absolutely absurd, and that's kind of what's happening in this scripture. As our story goes on, we had Griffin in 20 minutes after being at the midwife, and so uh, thankfully, Jesus intervened, put a cork in it, and we didn't have her on the road. Said it I did say that twice, but y'all know what I'm talking about, like, because y'all would be saying the same thing. It was, it was, it was sweat on the brow, for sure. It would be absolutely insane, and that's where we find ourselves in this set of scripture. In verse 11, as we continue to read, he answered them. This is the paralytic man, he answered them. He who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, who is this man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. So Jesus finds the man. You have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus that made him well in this moment. One of the coolest things about this whole story, I can't help but read it and think about this, but what, is lo- what was wrong with these people? What was it about them that... They, they see the life restored in a man, yet they desire to uphold the law in this moment. It seemed like something was out of place here. And I propose to you that many of us are in this same position. Uh, there wasn't a reason for them to give up on the law in the midst of celebration. And I believe that this is something that we fall into often. We've made a big deal out of what is right, and wrong, and we've minimized the miracle of restoration that came through us through Jesus on the cross. We, we get so in our heads about what I'm doing right versus what I'm doing wrong. And when I'm doing right, I'm worthy of the restoration. When I'm doing wrong, I'm not worthy of the restoration. And this is the tension that we live in, ver- law versus grace, my deeds versus his deed. My belief in me and my belief in him. This is where we all fall into this trap. The title of the message today is what is the big deal? What is the big deal? Is it your sin that is the big deal? Because to them the big deal was that you can't do work on the Sabbath, that's the law. It's right or it's wrong, it's black or it's white. Is the big deal your weakness? Is it this constant place of weakness that you fall back into? Do you feel like you're weak minded and that is the the biggest deal in your life? Is it your failure? Is it your mistakes? Is it your constant disobedience? Is it an affair? Is it poor money management? Is it your, your failure as a parent? What is your big deal? These men in this scripture, they had a big deal and they were offended and they couldn't step into celebration because of the big deal. I wonder how often the big deal is keeping you from celebrating the restoration that Jesus gave you on the cross. Is Jesus your big deal, or is your failure your big deal? Would you dare to believe this morning that there is something bigger than your sin? This is where we start getting nervous. You're so, you're, so you're saying to me that I should just like stop worrying about my sin? Yeah, actually I yeah. am. <laughs> well hold on, that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense like, cause, cause sin, sin's actually a really big deal. It is a really big deal, it offends a holy God. But if you would focus on the miracle that took place when Jesus got on the cross and your belief in that, it would actually empower you to live for him and not in consciousness of your sin. If you would be so blinded by Jesus this morning, his goodness, it would cause your heart to shift in such a way that you would acknowledge him and not the thing that you do. This is the, this is the message of grace. In this story, I love how Jesus finds the man in the temple after. He heals the man and then afterwards he finds him and he says, stop your life of sin. Wait, wait hold on a second. Our theology says that you, you stop sin, then you get blessed. You stop sin, then you get restoration. I, I resonate so much with this story personally because when I got saved, I got, I got saved radically in an incredible atmosphere. Uh, I wasn't raised in church. I didn't believe in God specifically my my, the psych side of my family are atheists. I'm the first generation Christian on my dad's side of the family. And so I was in a service with the expectation that I was going to leave the same way that I came. I actually got dared to go. This, this man said, this friend of mine said, I, if you'll go with me to this service and you don't feel God's presence change you, I'll never bother you with God talk again. And I'm like, you're in, I, I will win this any time of day. And so I'm in a worship, Set in a worship moment, and all of a sudden, I love how God does that, all of a sudden I'm so overwhelmed that I can feel a different sort of love come upon me. All of a sudden there's a rest and there's a peace that I've never felt before. My heart begins to move towards God in this moment. I begin to weep tears that I've never wept from a place that I've never wept them from before. I was so engulfed in God's presence. I believe that in that one moment, as my heart moved towards Jesus, that's the moment that I was saved. I hadn't heard about my sin. No one was standing on a stage telling me about my sin. Was my sin a big deal? It was because it was keeping me from relationship with the Father in this moment. And the moment that my heart turns towards him, everything changed. Think about the thief on the cross. We were talking about this in pre-service meeting. There was two thieves on the cross. There's there's this one, there's this one, and there's Jesus in the middle. One of them says to Jesus, aren't you the son of God? Why don't you save yourself and save us? He's literally mocking Jesus in this moment. The other thief corrects him. He says, we're actually deserving of the punishment for our crimes. This man's done nothing wrong. His heart turned towards Jesus in this moment. And then you know, Jesus says this, today you will be with me paradise did he pray a prayer did he get baptized did jesus talk to him about his sin did jesus preach a message about this man's sin on the cross no no no. the man's heart literally just shifted towards jesus proverbs talks about how uh the the us men we or, or man in general we see outward appearance but god judges the heart i love how jesus revisits this man and he deals with the sin after the fact. Why? Because his love is so powerful that if we will just choose to receive it, we'll have the empowerment to actually walk out of the sin later. I believe that Jesus is after your heart this morning. The big deal isn't what is wrong with you. The big deal is there's more right with you. We say this at Renew Life Church and we have for for years. There's more right with you than there is wrong with you. I would encourage you in the morning when you wake up to literally tell yourself, there's more right with me today than there is wrong with me. When you're driving and you cut that person off, because we do that too, right? Come on, we're not all that holy. Like, we get cut off, but we return the favor, (laughs) right? And hopefully you're not like your pastor and you roll down the window and then you give extra sign language with your hands. I'm just kidding, he doesn't do that. He's way holier than that. <laughs> but we have to constantly remind ourselves like, there is more right with me than there is wrong with me. Why, how? Because of Jesus. The word says that greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Right? The other, the other night I was just in the dumps. You ever been in the dumps before? It's not a fun place to be, but we, we go there sometimes. And uh, I was in the dumps. This one, this was actually this week. And I walk in, and uh, I'm working on a project that is, I feel like, way above my my head. It's way beyond my skill set. And uh, I'm welding and metal fabricating and doing things that I've never done before. It's all challenging. It's fun. I hate it, and I love it all at the same time. But I was just dejected about this project, it wasn't going the way that I needed it to go, there's some other things going on in my life that's just frustrating, and I walk in, and it was like my seven year old, the one I told the story about, her birthing story, uh, she could see this, she, she just got out of the bathtub, and so she, she like is waddling through the house trying to not to get water everywhere, and I'm washing my hands at this kitchen sink, and she, she just looks at me, she goes, Dad, are you okay? Like it's bad when you, your kids recognize that you're not good. <laughs> Like when your seven-year-old's like, "Hey, do we need to have a counseling session real quick?" That's where I was at. And uh, I'm like, "Yeah, baby, I'm fine." She's like, "Listen, Dad, listen. You're gonna build that trailer, and you know how. Do you know why you know how? Because Holy Spirit is on the inside of you, and the Holy Spirit's more powerful than anything else. So if you have Him, you know everything, right?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Are you are you preaching to me right now?" Like, when is the altar call? Like, I'm ready. <laughs> but the truth is that there's more right with us than there is wrong with us, and it's simply just what she was reminding me of. And I, I love that about our Father. I wanna close with uh, Romans chapter five. It seems to be the passage of scripture that, that kinda sums all of this up, and we're gonna read eight verses starting in verse 12. <laughs> When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone had sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died from that time, from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit command of God, commandment of God, as Adam did. Now Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ, who is yet to come. But there's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. But there's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we're guilty of many sins. For this sin of this one man, Adam, it caused death to reign over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. So rich. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life to everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. but. Because of one man, because of one other person, obeyed God, many will be made righteous. For God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. I'm going to read verse 17 one more time. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace in His gift of righteousness. For we. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. So thankful for this. I have just one question. I want to wrap this up. Will you stand with me as I ask this one question? The question that I would ask you this morning is, would you receive it? Would you receive empowerment to live free of sin? Would you, li- would you receive the free gift of grace that is explained in Romans, what we just read, that makes you in right standing with God? There's this thing about men, as a, as a young child, as a young boy, and as we grow into manhood, there's one question that we continue to ask ourselves, and that is, do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes to be great as a child? Do I have what it takes to be great as a husband? Do I have what it takes to be great as a father? Do I have what it takes? Can I actually do this thing? We're looking for approval from a father. And I would say as believers, we always have this one question. Am I in right standing? Are we good, God? And because of all that Jesus did for you and all that Jesus did for me, if I will choose to receive that, the answer is always yes. Yeah, we're great. Yeah, keep your eyes on Jesus. Yeah, don't focus on that thing that you did. Just repent, ask for forgiveness, get back, and just go after Jesus with all that you had. That, That seems to be a big deal, but this is the biggest deal. It is Jesus and your soul belief that he finished everything on the cross for you if you would just shift your attention onto him. That is the biggest deal. Would you just close your eyes and pray with me? Father, I ask that in these moments that we would hear you say, that we would hear you say, Father, that we're welcome, that we would hear you say, yeah, we're good. That we would hear you say, welcome home. You are that Father looking down the road, waiting for us to just remember, it was through my son Jesus that you're made right with me. Waiting for us to just say, Father, I actually receive it. And he's got this ring and he's got this robe and he's got these sandals and he's waiting to lavish you with his love. Would you just allow yourself for a moment to hear the Father say, I'm proud of you. Take up your mat and walk. Yeah, my answer to you is the same as it was to this man, yes. I don't know what you need today don't know what your shame is, don't know what your guilts are or your anxieties are, but if you'll present them to God as you were instructed even in ministry time with Keith, his answer is yes. And Scripture proves that over and over and over again. And what he does for one, he does for another because he's not a respecter of persons. Thanks again for listening today.